Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 357 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not really asked you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. I have been doing a divisional breakdown, of course, all the divisions before the NFL season starts. Uh, the official regular season starts in about a week and a half, two weeks. And I just got finished with the NFC. Every episode, well, the last four episodes, obviously, I devoted one episode to a division. And now I'm going to move over to the AFC. And honestly, I'm not going to lie to you guys. We're going to talk about the AFC South today. And I don't like talking about the AFC South. There's a lot of intrigue with the AFC South, but it's not really because of the teams. It's more about players. Uh, I don't see much success from the... We'll talk about we'll talk about it, but this is honestly one of I honestly think that the AFC South is one of the weakest divisions in football. Again, there are some players that we'll talk about and and reasons why I feel this way, but I'm just not jumping for joy about the AFC South. I know that that kind of like is hard to keep people after you have expressed your lack of care about a division so just just hear me out man i'm I'm gonna put the if this is one of your favorite teams or or you want to hear what i have to say i'm gonna put the timestamps in the description so you can jump ahead but i'll just let you know now the afc south not one of my favorite divisions and let me start with one of the reasons why it's not my favorite division and let's start with the Jaguars. In my opinion, the Jaguars are probably the best team in this division. You have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that a lot of people think is transcendent and and has shown flashes of of being that next quarterback. I know there's a lot of people that are very high on Trevor Lawrence. I'm high on Trevor Lawrence. And there are some solid pieces on this Jaguars team, right? But honestly, it starts and finishes with with Trevor Lawrence. And that's kind of the 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 storyline. That's kind of the the theme of the AFC South. It starts and finishes with a a player. Now, Let's talk about Trevor Lawrence for a second. When we talk about the S, the, the the upper echelon of quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence has shown flashes that he belongs in that Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. He belongs in that conversation. In fact, let me let me let me rephrase, or let me let me back up. Pat, nobody. Patrick Mahomes is the clear-cut best quarterback in the league. That's so he's in a class of his own. I'm talking about the the the, the tier under him. You know, the Joe Burrows, the Lamar Jackson, Justin Herberts. Trevor Lawrence has shown that he is good enough to be in that class. He's also shown that there are times when he doesn't look poise and he and he's had i mean let's let's talk about the last game we saw well 
the second to last game we saw him in the one the one of the greatest, if not the greatest, comeback in NFL playoff history. That is the Jaguars against the Chargers. One of the reasons, outside of of course the deficit, one of the biggest reasons why I think. And why it's being said that that comeback was probably one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history was because of just the night and day play of Trevor Lawrence from 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 the first half to the second half. The first half, I think he had like four interceptions or something like that, and he looked abysmal. He looked awful, and... It was starting to creep in that there was a sense that Trevor Lawrence is good and he has flashes of greatness. However, yes, it was his first playoff game. But as we've seen with Trevor Lawrence throughout his young career, he doesn't he has those moments in the big in big games and big moments against good teams where He'll have a, a a high interception game, or he would look he'll look like the inferior quarterback. Now, mind you, Trevor Lawrence was projected to be like the next coming coming out of Clemson, and rightfully so. He had an incredible. He was one of the better college players, especially in Clemson. Won them a national championship. I think went to another one. But one of the biggest reasons why I said that that was, again, one of the biggest and, and, and greatest comebacks in NFL history. Because I've never seen a player just throw out, throw out a, a half and come back look like a completely different player. I've never seen that. Except for that game. Usually when you throw four interceptions or you're down, I think it was like 27-0 or 21-3 or something like that. Usually you pack it in. Usually, I understand it's the playoffs, but hey man, it's not our night. It's not our night. It's not our day. We we live to fight another day. It's very hard to muster up the not only the the ability, but the confidence to say, hey, we're down 27-0. We're down 24-0. We can still come back. And again, I I have ne- I don't under I don't know what was said in the locker room. I don't know, but it Doug McDermott had them ready to play and, and they came back and beat the Chargers. Now, they ultimately lost to the Chiefs again the next game, but This Jaguars team is a is a young team, and that's actually the the theme of the AFC South. The AFC South is a very young; it, it has very young teams, and I don't ex- outside of Trevor Lawrence. There is not a quarterback in this division. That I trust, at least right now. We're going to talk about Anthony Richardson. We're going to talk about C.J. Stroud. The only quarterback in this division that I trust right now. And and honestly, I don't know if I trust Trevor Lawrence or not. Because again, I've seen greatness from Trevor Lawrence. And I've seen him look god-awful. But 
when you look at this roster, you have Travis Etienne. You hope that he's able to stay healthy. You have the uh, Forest, the uh, the Everest Johnson. He's he was really good at the running back position. You have Zay Jones. You have Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk, and of course we know about the drastic overpay from him. But he did produce last year. This team has pieces, but I don't expect this team to be. I don't expect. Let me say this. I don't expect Trevor Lawrence to be. I expect him to be amongst the best quarterbacks in the league. I have seen enough to, to to think that Trevor Lawrence is good enough to do that. And when we talk about the totality of the AFC or yeah, AFC South, I don't think that there's another team that I think that the the Jaguars should finish number 1 should finish atop the AFC South because I think it's not really I think it's kind of I know they have the best quarterback in the division and depending on who you are depending on what games you want to dissect and look at depending on how you how you truly feel about comebacks how you feel about Trevor Lawrence some people have him as a top five quarterback some people have him top 10 I'll probably have him in the top 10 range I again man it's 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 I need to see consistency I need to see consistency I need to see the I I, I need to see your ability to maintain greatness and not have games where he he kind of he he's a better in my opinion he's a better version of Dak Prescott. And what do I mean by that? We've seen games where Dak Prescott looks like a top 10 top 5 quarterback. And a lot of people say that is the real Dak Prescott. However, we've also seen games where Dak Prescott has thrown multiple interceptions and probably been the worst player on the field for his team. And this is with a good offensive line. This is with a good defense. And that is Dak, Dak Prescott. The the Jaguar, the, they don't have the greatest offensive line. Don't get me wrong. But again, they have pieces. On the defensive side, they have pieces. They have Trayvon Walker. He was a top draft pick a couple years ago. Um, they, they they have pieces, man. Daryl Thomas, uh, Willie Taylor third. Leonard Taylor, they have good piece. Evan Ingram, who hasn't really been able to find a, a a place, even though he had a really good year last year for the char or for the Jaguars. This 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 team is okay. I'll say it, this team, in my opinion, is okay. There there's no there's no name that jumps out at me and thinks and thinks that this team is is a title contender or this team is a, a, a top of the AFC contender. But what I will say is they have number 16. They have Trevor Lawrence. And because they have Trevor Lawrence, I'm automatic. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best, not only the best quarterback in this division, but arguably the best player in this division. And, when you pair that alongside with, uh, like I said, a Christian Kirk with a 
Zay Jones with uh, Evan Ingram, then you start to then you you you, ha- you might have something. And again, I I to me would be shocked if this team is not good enough to, uh, not good enough to win the division because of Trevor Lawrence. Now, if they don't win the division, that's because either Trevor Lawrence just was injured, or which I, I don't wish injury upon any, anybody, or just dra- or or Trevor Lawrence may not be the guy that we think he is. Or his inconsistency may be more of just who he is compared to what he could be. So I have I don't I, I, the the roster's okay. I just need to I need to, I, I don't I don't because they have Trevor Lawrence. I think that they're going to be the best. They're going to be the best team in the AFC South and. Depending on how good Trevor Lawrence is, will ultimately determine how good this Jaguars team is in comparison to the entire AFC. So, we'll see. Speaking of we'll see, we're going to go to the Colts. And... The Colts, to me, find themselves tussling and and having a tug of war with themselves because you have a lot of the old regime. You have a lot of of older players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You have a lot of older players that their time is, I'm not going to say is coming to an end, but... They don't have much time to, to to wait for development. I mean, you have DeForest Buckner, who is considered one of the best uh, defensive tackles in in football. You have Quentin Nelson on the offensive line. You you have players Zaire Franklin. However, you have Anthony Richardson. <clears throat> Now the big the the conversation around Anthony Richardson, especially this week, has been: Is he ready to start? Is he the 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 quarterback? We let me say this: There's no debate that the Colts believe that Anthony Richardson is the quarterback of the future. There's no debate about that. We're not even arguing that. They drafted him very high for a reason. You don't draft someone as high as they drafted him and think that he is not going to be there in a couple years. Anthony Richardson is the quarterback of the future for the for the Colts. But that's not what that that's not the conversation at hand. You still have Sam El- Ellinger. You still have Gardner Minshew. Now, no. Sam Ellinger, Gardner Minshew, they're not Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks. They're actually not even really starting quarterbacks. But it goes back to the timeline. Do you do you wait and do you allow him to grow? But on top of that, it's they're in a win lose situ- or they're in a win win lose lose situation, and let me ex- let me explain it. 
I don't think there's anybody that thinks that this team, and that is the Colts, are good enough to compete for a championship, are good enough to compete in the AFC in general right now. When we talk about some of the top teams, I don't consider the, the, the Colts a top team. I don't consider really any team in the AFC South outside of possibly the Jaguars a top team in the AFC. However, like I said, you have good players. You have Zach Moss. You have Kenyon Drake. You have good players. So, do you... Do you, I mean, you have Michael Pittman. You you have Amari Rogers that they got from Packers, I believe. The question is, here's my here's my theory. My theory on quarterbacks is, you ever been swimming? And when you're swimming, there are some parents, there are some swim instructors that. Literally tell you to just throw you in the deep end and say, learn how to swim. Now, that's probably not the safest thing, and I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that upon it. That happened to me. I love my parents, don't get me wrong, uh, but I was one of those kids that was thrown into the pool, uh, thrown into the deep end. I think my dad did it, and just said, hey, you got to survive. So, you know, some people, uh, most people, the whole survival instincts kick in. And they either float, tread water, swim, you know what I'm saying? But for a lot of people, that doesn't happen until you throw them in the deep end. Again, I wouldn't recommend that for people, especially these days. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that. But the 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 concept is you don't you're really unable to learn. You're really unable to develop until you get put in a situation that you need to develop. There's a lot of people that aren't unable to unable to really understand or 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 really develop in practice. For for instance, I'll talk about myself again. I played college basketball. I played basketball pretty much my whole life, but I played college basketball. And in bas- in sports, you hear the term there are game players and there are practice players what so what does that mean that means that there are some players that it's very hard for them to get up for practice it's very hard for them to to give it their all in practice now yes practice is important but some of those players it's just hard for them to mentally get themselves ready mentally get themselves amped for practice because in their eyes it's just practice now, those same players, not all of them, of course, but there are players, those same players that are some of the best in-game players that we have. I know one of my teammates, <laughs> rest in peace, Rod, Drod, one of my, one of the team leaders, he was not a practice player at all. Even though, yes, he brought a fire to him and, and he brought a fire to the team, he was very competitive, but... There was a drastic difference between how he played in college, I mean, in, in practice and how he played in the game. I was like that, too. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I was the best player on my team. I really wasn't. But 
I was drastically better in the game than I was in practice. Practice, I was so mechanical and I was so, I, I didn't want to mess up. So in my mind, I was just trying to run everything and, and execute everything to a T. In the game, I was more free-flowing and letting the defense dictate, you know, what happens and, and letting the de defense dictate what I do. So I said that to say this. I feel like I went in such a, a, such a wide uh, circle to get here. If you're the Colts and you're Anthony Richardson, I understand the dilemma that you have. Do you A, throw him in? Because there's a lot of people. Most of the reports coming out of camp are saying that Anthony Richardson is a great talent and has the opportunity to be one of the more skilled quarterbacks in the league. However, there's almost, almost every reporter saying that he is physically not or he's not ready. He's a raw talent, but he's just not ready. Even if you look at the preseason game he was in, he looked good, but he, he made raw mistakes. So do you, A, throw him in, or do you or throw him in the, the deep end, essentially, and have him start, which I know reports come out and say that he's pretty much starting, but that could be a detriment to the team, the, the current team, because, again, you have – Players that are th this team, the only position, let me say that, the only position that is not in win-now mode for the Colts is their quarterback. Everyone else is in win-now mode. They have Bashad Perriman. They, every, Daniel uh, Ogletree. The, every position for the Colts is in win-now mode except for the quarterback. And... That is the struggle that the Colts are struggling, or not struggle. Those are the questions that the Colts have to answer. What's more important, the development of their quarterback or trying to milk the most out of this team? You can. The, the question is, however, what is the, the ceiling for this team? Because we've seen this team with multiple different quarterbacks, uh, Matthew, Matt Ryan, uh, Carson Wentz. And while no, I don't think that those quarterbacks, especially at the time in which that they were the quarterback for the Colts, I don't think that they're gangbusters. I don't think that those quarterbacks are making much noise. But like what what is the 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 ceiling for this team? I think that there's a lot of uh there's gonna be a lot of finding out. We're gonna find out a lot about this team. We're gonna find out a lot about their starting quarterback. Again, there was a lot of people that were. It, it, it was a head, it was head scratching to a lot of people of uh, with seeing how high in the draft Anthony Richardson went, and I I understand especially when you see what he did at Florida and like I said he is a raw talent, and again this team is in win now mode outside of their quarterback. I think that's the best way to describe this the, the the Indianapolis Colts. This team is in win now mode. However, when you have Shaq Law, when you have Shaq Leonard, when you have Zaire Allen or Zaire Franklin, when you have Quentin Quentin Nelson, when you have some of these players, it's like 
do you do you sacrifice maybe a year or two to get your quarterback right, or do you go for it now? Quiddy Payne, DeForest, DeForest Buckner, um, Al Quindon Muhammad. These are all players that are good enough to win now. So, then again, and I guess when you think about it, it's not like you have a gangbuster, or it's not like you're you're benching, or or you're 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 argue arguably you're. How do I say this, man? I also it is kind of an easier now that I'm now that you're really sitting here talking about it and, and sitting talking through it. It is easier to start an Anthony Richardson, even though he is a raw talent and may not be physically or, or ready to be a starting a starting quarterback in the NFL. But it's not like you have, you know, Patrick Mahomes sitting on the bench. It's not like you have Josh Allen sitting on the bench. You have Gardner Minshew, and no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, but he has shown that he is pretty much a a bona fide backup. So I don't have much. Um, and this this goes to the AFC South in general. I don't have much faith in this team. I I think that the the storyline for this team, the storyline for the for the Colts is simple. How good the, will Anthony Richardson be, and can he be in in year one? I I think that. You're gonna see a tip, uh, or a tip-top shape, Anthony Richardson, and not saying physical shape, but you're gonna see the growth, the maturation of Anthony Richardson in years to come. Uh, this year, however, I don't. I think you're gonna have raw, incredible plays. Like you're gonna look and say, "How did he do that?" I know there's a clip circulating in the internet right now with he did a jump pass that looked like it went 70 yards or something. So he's a raw talent. It's just, is he going to be able to put the pieces together to become a solid quarterback? And that that honestly is the is the outside of one team. That's honestly the the story, the the theme of the AFC South. Can their quarterback put it together? And if they do put it together, how good will that team look? The only reason, one of the biggest reasons why I have the Jaguars as the number one team in this division is because we've seen their quarterback put it together. The, the three other quarterbacks we really have an outside of one, but we'll talk about them uh, shortly. The other, the other team that is going to roll out a rookie quarterback in week one is the the Texans. The Texans have a lot of new. The Texans is just a has the whole team is pretty much a new car smell. You have a new head coach in D'Amico Ryan's. You have a new starting quarterback in CJ Stroud. You have a new defensive end in Will Anderson. It's just a lot of new. And this, uh, I'm looking over this roster. Yes, you have Shaquille Griffin. Yes, you have. Uh, yes, you have Nico Collins. Uh, but 
this isn't that good of a roster, to be completely honest with you. Um, it has pieces. Don't get me wrong, man. And it has it has good names. You know, like it has. And we're we're gonna talk about DeAndre Hopkins in a second. Um, but actually, and then we're gonna talk about him for the Titans. But uh. That's Noah Brown. It has, um, uh, yeah, Damian Pierce is probably their best player outside of the defense. Like I said, man, this, this, the, the, the Houston Texans is the new coat of paint team is the, 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 the new car. However, it's the new car from CarMax. Now, I know CarMax sells mostly used cars. This is what I mean by that. Nothing is a sure thing. Nothing is a bona fide thing in in football, right? Patrick Mahomes wasn't a bona Nobody thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be this coming out of Texas Tech. If that was the case, he probably would have went number one. Nobody thought... Joe or nobody thought Lamar Jackson would be as good as he was. If that was the case, he probably wouldn't win at the end of the first round. CJ Strout, you can argue, was the most talented quarterback in this year's draft. Of course, the three the four names that we pretty much heard throughout the draft was, or going into the draft, was Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. Those were the four quarterbacks that you we didn't know, or we thought were the most talented and most NFL-ready quarterbacks. Now, we just talked about Anthony Richardson, and while he may not be the most NFL-ready day one quarterback, People, it was pretty much known that he is the most he had he's the most freak athlete of the quarterbacks. When we talked about when we we're talking about which quarterback is the is the most ready day one, the conversation was between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Now we saw we know that Bryce Young went number one to the to the um Panthers. Because you don't know how good C.J. Stroud is going to be, it's very hard for me to put any predictions on this team. I don't. I do understand that this team hasn't been good for a while. Even at its height, even with J.J. Watt, even with Deshaun Watson, even with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, this team was never one of those teams that was good enough to compete for a, a, a Super Bowl. And those days are long gone. Now there can be new hope, but it's tough. Again, this the AFC South has a tough schedule as well. I mean, week one, you're at Baltimore. Baltimore just got Jadavion Clowney. Uh, you have to go to the Colts, good defense. You have to play the Patriots, good defense. You have to play the Saints, good defense. You have to play the uh, Panthers, good defense. The Buccaneers, okay defense. Um the Broncos, we think it's going to be a good defense. The Jets, good defense. Titans, good defense. Browns, good defense. Like they they have that that's that's the thing. 
And I talked about this when we talked about the NFC South. The NFC South has one of the easier schedules in football. When you have younger younger quarterbacks, an easier schedule is definitely what you want, especially to, to, to ease them in. It's very tough. The AFC South, while they're often, they don't have to play in too tough. I mean, they didn't. That's a lie because they have to go against the Ravens' offense. I think they're going to be a lot better with, you know, a healthy Lamar Jackson and and Odell Beckham Jr. It's just tough. The the, the oh boy, it's it's going to be tough for the 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 Titans, and that's. I think the Titans are probably going to finish one of the worst records because this this isn't that good of a team. Again, you have good pieces, you have good names, but as far as a team, you don't know. You have again the three best players that right now that we think are going to be the best players is uh, C.J. Stroud, Damian Pierce, and and. Uh, Will Will um, Will Anderson? They do have uh, Stingley, right? Yeah, they have uh, Derek Stingley, who was really good out of LSU. This would be his second year. That that piece is. Don't get me wrong. Like this is the NFL, man. This is professional sports. It's not like these players or these teams have nobody. It's not like these people suck. You're 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 of course comparing them to the rest of the league. And yes, Derek Stingley is good. Will Anderson, we don't know yet, but he, we're projecting him to be pretty good. The, the, but outside of that, it's just it's tough to, especially in the AFC. That's another thing that I didn't really talk about when we talked about the Jaguars and the Colts. The NFC is so much weaker or is weaker than the NFC. Or let me see. <laughs> the NFC is weaker than the AFC. Like that. There's no metric that you can show me to to prove me wrong. Yes, you have the, the the Eagles, good team. The 49ers, good team. Cowboys, we'll see, but but good roster. Any given on the AFC and any given day or any given Sunday, you're playing a top tier team again. The Ravens, week one, they made the playoffs or they made the playoffs last year without Lamar Jackson. The Colts, you have DeForest Buckner. You have uh, Zaire Franklin. You have a good defense. The Jaguars, you, Trevor Lawrence. The Pittsburgh Steelers, you know about their defense. They also have Minka, Parson, or Minka Fitzpatrick. They have they have TJ Watt. The, the Falcons, they have, well, Maybe as a team, they're not the best. But you still have Ritter. You have B. John Robinson. You have uh, Kyle Pitts. The Saints. We know Derek Derek Carr. Uh, Michael Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara is going to be back. Like, Cincinnati Bengals, we know about them. It's, what I'm saying is, and, and actually, let me just... It's, Ravens, Colts, Jaguars, uh, Steelers, Bengals, Bron- Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns. Like the, this is not the division that you can you can. There isn't really any layups. The mo the 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 layup. The only layup I really see is either week 
week, it's pretty much week 11. That's his Cardinals. And when you have a rookie quarterback, when you have a young quarterback, you want as many layups as possible. And you only have one. Because, again, I get you can may argue week eight with the Carolina Panthers, but their team in general is good. So I'm not here saying that they're going to be trash. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that they're going to be one of the lesser teams in the NFL, and that is – that is the 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 Houston Texans. I think that CJ Stroud's going to be good. I think that Anthony Richardson they're going to be good as far as with years to come. I, th- I don't think that, and it's very unrealistic to expect a rookie quarterback to just be, especially in the AFC, to be a game changer year one. Because the AFC is not. Not a division to play with. I trust and believe. So, and again, I do see this this Texans teams, <clears throat> Texas, this Houston Texans team. Excuse me, has cornerstones. They they have players that you can see are the 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 building blocks to a very positive future. Like I said, Derek Stingley. Will Anderson, um, Damian Pierce, of course, C.J. Strout. Like, they they have players that you can see, you, you can call or say are building blocks for for a, a very productive future. But I don't know how that really... Um, what that really means for the present. Nico Collins could be good. But again, for the present, I don't I don't know. Oh, and shouts out to John Michi. I know he was suffering or going through a lot of health stuff, uh, and now he's cleared to play again. Shouts out to you, brother. I'm 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 happy to see him on the field. So but yeah, I don't I don't have much faith in this Texans team. I think that I think it's a it's a toss up between just because of how young their starting quarterback is, I think that they're going to be in the running for the worst team in the division. Uh they have a, again, they have a lot of young players. Uh, and they have a lot, I, I, it's either, to me it's either going to be them or the Colts as the worst team in the division. But, you know, we'll see. Speaking of we'll see. I'm going to, this is going to sound like a rant. And and don't get me wrong, a lot of it is. We're going to move over to the Titans. And let me explain to you why I absolutely hate talking about the Titans. One thing, I've talked about this on this podcast several times, especially when we talk about basketball. But the last place you want to be in sports is middle of the pack. And 
for people that don't know, I have to explain every single time, which is okay. Middle of the pact is you're not good enough to compete for a championship. But you're not bad enough to have a high draft pick unless you make a trade or something. The biggest reason why I hate talking about I'm gonna, hate is a strong word. Hate is a strong word. I mean, one of the biggest reasons why I don't like talking about the t- Titans is because the narrative for the Titans remains the same every single year. And and for people that don't know, in fact, let me let me pull something up real quick. This was, I'm pulling up, pulling up, because of course I do this every year, uh, a divisional breakdown. Let me read to you what I said last year, or what I wrote down last year, and and, and you ask yourself, have you heard this before? The Tennessee Titans, good team, not great, good defense, Great coach of Mike Vrabel. Biggest question marks, the quarterback position and every other position outside of running back. The team is led by their running back. However, because their quarterback play is so shaky, I can't see them making much noise in the playoffs. Defense is good. However, their secondary leaves a lot to be desired. Offensive line is okay. However, I don't know if Derrick Henry being good elevates their offensive line or hides their offensive line. Ryan Tannehill is not the quarterback of the future. And honestly, I don't know if he's the quarterback of the present. This team is a middle-of-the-pack team. Really could be really good, but could be really bad. Not good enough to win a Super Bowl, but not bad enough to have a top pick in the draft. I wrote this last year. So you, so let me ask you, <clears throat> what has changed? The defense is good. They have, however, what is their weak point of the defense? The secondary. Their offensive line is okay. But is their offensive line really, you know, something to go home and write about? You get DeAndre Hopkins and pair him alongside Traylon Brooks. And on paper, that could be one of the better wide receiver duos in football. However, the big problem with that is the quarterback position because you have three quarterbacks, none of which you are confident in 
can maximize your wide receiver core in Will Levis, Ryan Tannehill, and Malik Willis. Now, Ryan Tannehill being in the league for 12 years, we feel like we've seen the best Ryan Tannehill. That was probably a couple years ago when they they went to the playoffs, beat the Ravens, and got smacked the, the, the week before or the week after. They also, the next year, played the Ravens and lost. And if I'm not mistaken, they were at home. Their best player is Derrick Henry. However, and this is the conversation that we've had majority of this offseason because of the whole wide receiver running back push and them wanting more money, how valuable really is a running back when the top running backs in the league ha- hasn't even competed or been close to competing for a Super Bowl? Derrick Henry has been the Titans' best player pretty much since he's gotten there. And in eight years, he has not, I don't think, in eight years, he hasn't even played in a conference championship. We know that this team is 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 going to be tough. It's going to be rugged because of their head coach, Mike Vrabel. You you usually ta- you know, I you you adopt the identity of your coach usually in football. And Mike and, and Mike Vrabel is a great coach in, in my opinion. But there is nothing about that. That's Again, the same. Yeah, you have Jeffrey Simmons. Cool. That's about it. Man, you have Amari Hooker. It's a but. Let me let me say this. And I don't know what can change. Because, again, this has been a perpetual cycle with the Titans. And and don't get me wrong, there's going to be maybe a couple weeks, maybe two or three. Maybe even four. They might go on a four-game win streak. But then again, hold on. Let me hold on. Yeah. So possibly from week eight to week, let's say 13, I think they have great shot. I think that they can beat the Falcons. I think they can beat the Steelers. I think they can beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they can beat the Jaguars. I think they can beat the Panthers. I think they can beat the Colts. But outside of that, and I'm like – it might not even matter because they, they got to start at the Saints, then the Chargers, then the Browns, then the Bengals, like then the Col- at the Colts, then the Ravens. This is a middle of the pack team, man. And 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 what's unfortunate about it is they to me they don't they have three quarterback options that 
you don't trust right now. And one and and honestly, one of which I is probably gone by the middle of the year, and that's Ryan Tannehill. And that's another thing. <clears throat> I think even though you don't you never want to trade your best player, right? You never want to trade your top asset. However, again, you've been, I think that this team has been due for a rebuild. Because I think that this team has peaked. Even with Will Levis coming in, even with Malik Willis, this team has peaked. And... At this point, why not trade a Derrick Henry? Why not trade a Ryan Tannehill to see what you can get? Because what 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 about this team is making you think? Oh yeah, we we got a shot. Oh, let me. I'll speak on uh, I'll speak on uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And how DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm not mad at him, DeAndre Hopkins made a a legit money decision. DeAndre Hopkins, at his height, is and has been one of the best wide receivers in the league. Now, he did suffer some injuries in Carolina or in uh Arizona, and of course that he just when he wasn't playing, the team just wasn't good. And we know about the multiple thousand-yard seasons, damn near every season he's played except maybe one or two uh, in his career, even with the Houston Texans. And you had a lot of teams like the, the Bills or the Chiefs or the Ravens that were clamoring for his services, and he ended up going to the tech, uh, the Titans. Now, yes, there is a benefit to be had having a number one wide receiver on your team, and there is a direct correlation to how good your quarterback plays compared to or in in correlation to having a number one wide receiver. For instance, we saw the incredible increase that Josh Allen made playing alongside Stephon Diggs. We've seen the incredible increase that Patrick Mahomes had playing with Tyreek Hill. We saw uh, how good Trevor Lawrence, not Trevor Lawrence, um, Joe Burrow is playing alongside a Jamar Chase. We see Kirk Cousins, how how much he's increased playing alongside Justin Jefferson. So I do think that there is benefit with having a DeAndre Hopkins on the Titans for the for for their quarterback, whoever is going to be starting Week One, which is looking more like it's going to be Ryan Tannehill. But let me remind you, Ryan Tannehill has been in the league for ten years now. How long has Ryan Tannehill been in this league? Ryan Tannehill has been in the league for 12 years. I'm sorry. 
and kind of like the whole Russell Westbrook thing that I talk about. When you've been in the league for as long as Ryan Taylor's been in the league, you kind of are stuck in your ways. So I don't think that he's I don't think that having a number one wide receiver is really going to shake up the room for this team. And you know it's bad when you have a Malik Willis, who I think just two years ago you drafted him, and Will Levis, and neither one of them are starting. That means you have no faith in either one of them. We've seen Malik Willis. Malik Willis did not look good. He had, like, flashes, not saying entire game, like maybe a couple throws, but he doesn't look ready, and obviously Will Levis ain't doing nothing since he's not playing. Or he's not starting, from what it seems like. I think that, again, DeAndre Hopkins picked the money over winning a championship, which nothing wrong with that. It's all about priorities. What are your priorities? Because this team is nowhere close to winning a championship, in my opinion. Like, at all. Mm-mm-mm. It's going to be a long season for this team, in my opinion. And uh, outside of, to me, like I said, this is going to be a, this is going to be a season of discovery for the AFC South. How good can is Trevor Lawrence one of those quarterbacks that you can argue is a top five quarterback? Or is his inconsistencies going to hold him back? Or is his inconsistencies going to be the story of his career? Or at least the story of this season? Which quarterback is going to emerge uh, more ready to lead their franchise in a different direction? Is it going to be C.J. Stroud? Is it going to be Anthony Richardson? And is this the year that we finally see change? And when I mean change, I don't mean I don't think that this roster as constructed is good. But is this the year that we're going to see change for the Titans? Meaning, is Derrick Henry going to get traded? Is is Ryan Tannehill going to get traded? There's a lot of influx. And there's a lot of movement that I believe we're going to see in the AFC South. We'll just have to see. So. Let's move forward. I'm not going to stay at this long because it's not, I mean, NFL season is about to start. But football and and basketball usually dominate off seasons. Um, I think that both of the, both the NFL and the NBA are kings when it comes to dominating an off season. Again, the first game in the NBA, I think it's in October. Uh Yet, they just released a schedule a day or two ago. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting. It's always interesting to see how a team uh, releases a schedule. It's, it's a thing for both the NBA and NFL. I know the Brooklyn Nets kind of took the same book that the Titans did, I believe. And, you know, asked people on, I think, on Coney Island, 
what that know nothing about sports. What's the team logo? It's, it's something fun. I know the uh, Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. <laughs> I know the Chicago Bulls. They did a Pokemon theme thing. It's interesting, man. It's very interesting, and it's always fun to see just how you know a team displays their 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 schedule or reveals to say their schedule and it's interesting to see what the what the nba values you you kind of know what they value but the schedule is a tall tale sign of what they value for instance i think the golden state warriors have what four like 40 some 41 games that's supposed to be on on primetime tv i think or something like 15 maybe like that something like that they have the most primetime games or the most games that are, are of primetime. Meaning the Golden State Warriors are is a moneymaker for the for the for the NBA. They they people want to come see Steph Curry. People want to come see the, the Golden State Warriors brand, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. They want to see how this Chris Paul thing is going to work out. I think the team right under them is the Lakers. We all know how, I mean, it's the Lakers. LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Jordan, uh, the Wizards have four, I think, primetime games. I think two of them, one of them, two of them, is going against Golden State because the, the storyline with Jordan Poole and, and, and Draymond Green. People want to see how good Victor Wimanyama is. Victor Wimanyama has... Has has uh, and the Spurs who finished with the I think the worst record last year, they have primetime games because people want to see Victor Wembanyama. That's the, the the schedule a lot really shows you how they feel about a team, what they think a team's gonna be. The Charlotte Hornets, I don't think I think they maybe have one, if that, uh, primetime game. You know, uh, and and the, the the it tells you things. The schedule release tells you things that the the NBA prepares themselves for things. Let's say that, for instance, one of uh, there a prime a prime time marquee game is going to be the Portland Trailblazers and the Miami Heat. However, that game is is a couple days or a couple weeks after the trade deadline. I think a couple days after the trade deadline. Why is that happening? Because the NBA anticipates that um, Damian Lillard is going to be on the Miami Heat. So, of course, that's going to be a quote-unquote rivalry game or return home game. What I'm saying is, man, one of the biggest reasons why schedule release are so important to to the NBA, NFL in general is because it shows you what the it shows you of course how where how your team's going to or where your team's going to play the road trips for instance I think um Golden State has 15 back-to-backs which is the most in the NBA I believe and this is the second year in a row they're doing that uh that usually means that a lot of those games are going to be on TV, and a lot of the veteran teams that are good, they usually put them on back-to-back so they understand the grind and stuff. Um, 
but yeah, the, the the schedule release is always exciting, and it's always a big spectacle with the NFL and NBA because it it definitely it, it shows you what they what what matters. It shows you, of course, there's always a and with the with the NBA tournament, the in season tournament, that's gonna add a new a new thing to it. I know the WNBA has been doing it with the Commissioner's Cup, and shouts out to them. Shouts out to uh, the New York Liberty for winning it this year, I believe. But we'll see. We'll see if it works in the NBA. You see about who's who's playing on Christmas, or you know, I think the first game of the season or the first night of the season is going to be the Lakers and the and the Nuggets, and of course that's the ring ceremony, and Golden State and the Phoenix Suns. Of course, you have Chris Paul playing his former team, the Golden or the Phoenix Suns. You have Kevin Durant playing his former team, the Golden State Warriors. And it, again, it shows you what the the what the NBA values, what the league values. In the NFL, yo, the do you know how I think the Jets have the most primetime games? The Jets, and that's because of the Aaron Rodgers effect. The Chiefs have a bunch of them. In 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 basketball, the teams with the stars, the Nuggets, the the Golden State Warriors, um, the Lakers, the Suns. The people like seeing Steph Curry. People like seeing LeBron, Jokic, uh, Kevin Durant. They like seeing these players, so they're gonna put them on primetime. Luca has a bunch, I think. So, yeah, man, I'm not. Uh, There's no point in staying on it long. Uh, that is the the schedule released what a couple days ago and we know exactly who's going to play what hopefully i'm able to get to a couple games uh i definitely <laughs> i definitely i went to a man i paid to go see golden state in brooklyn last year in brooklyn and i think 2 or 3 weeks before steph curry goes out so I remember watching that game. Kyrie Irving wasn't playing either. Kevin Durant was playing, thank God. And you had Jordan Poole playing. You had Draymond Green. You had all Steph didn't play. Andre Iguodala didn't play. Klay Thompson didn't play. Kyrie Irving didn't play. I'm saying all that to say, hopefully, if I get tickets this year, they're all playing. And hopefully, it's cheaper because now you, you mean you don't really have the marquee players in in Brooklyn outside of maybe Mikael Bridges. So. But we'll see. We'll see. And lastly, before we go, like I said last week, I'm bringing I I brought back the unpopular topic of the day. And with the schedule release and the offseason in full effect for the NBA, that means the annual or traditional, whatever you want to say, videos of off-season workouts and off-season runs start to commence. You really start to see the the Rico Hines runs or the 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 proams, the Drew leagues and the Goodman leagues and and 
you start to see players playing, you know, video releases of a bunch of star players playing in the Rico Hines runs. And I don't know if this is an popular topic, but this was a argument or, uh, yeah, a debate that I had with somebody yesterday. The question was, what do you think is more beneficial? These these runs when you play against star players, because, of course, the video came out of Chet Holmgren. He was playing in a in a uh, offseason workout runs with the likes of Kevin Durant and Trey Young and players like that. And I think Chet Holmgren scored like 30 points or something. The, the the question and conversation was what's the what is more important and what's more valuable in the offseason the 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 runs the Rico Hines runs the 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 games where you play pretty much pick a professional pickup pretty much or the individual workouts you know the workouts that you see Steph Curry do a lot with his trainer and and you know those those type of shooting drills and stuff like that now, don't get me wrong. I understand the value and I understand the importance of those type of workouts, the the individual workouts. I understand, you know, how important it is locking into a gym with a personal trainer or with a shooting coach or with a fitness coach or whatever. I understand the benefits of that, especially as a as a professional player now again i have to preface this by saying for people that's gonna be what does he know i have never been i'm not a professional athlete <laughs> obviously i never played professional sports i played college basketball i was good enough to go overseas uh due to personal situations i wasn't able to go even though i did make an overseas or i did successfully make an overseas tryout or I got picked up for a team. It's just due to personal reasons I wasn't able to go. So I have been, for lack of a better term, I've been in that world. The the vulture and your yourself to basketball or whatever sport you're playing. And I know the benefits of having a shooting coach or having a coach that is solely focused on you and has workouts set for you and has workouts and and dietaries things that that allow you to be at your very best but one thing that athletes hear a lot is practice like it's a game Take shots, don't take practice shots, take game shots in practice. So that means that you want to go at game speed because there's no point of practicing if you are not going to do that in the game. That's one That's one thing I hate about watching uh, some of these big men like Rudy, Rudy Gobert going into a gym or, or Robert Williams going into a gym and putting up threes. You're not going to do that. And that's not why the Timberwolves, that's not why the Boston Celtics have you on their team. And you're very rarely, if ever, going to be taking threes. What you need to do is get the paint and and be the defensive anchor that you are. So I said that to say this. 
I guess my topic on top of oh unpopular topic of the week is I think that these Rico Hines and these these pickup games with professional athletes are more important and more beneficial to players than individual workouts. And again, I understand the importance of individual workouts, but to me, you're playing against the best of the best. You have Steph Curry going up against a Cade Cunningham or, or you have, you know, a bunch of star athletes going to these pickup runs. And, and it's not as, it's not how it used to be. It used to be outside of, you know, Going outside in the street hoopers, you never really had the professional athletes going out to play in these runs. Now, these runs are solely built for the professional athletes. I mean, we know look, last, or last last season or maybe earlier this in this offseason, you saw Paul George running with uh, Jaime Jaquez uh, in the in the in the UC, UCLA Bruins team. You saw. Uh, Patrick Patrick uh, Patrick Beverly you saw Draymond Green like I just think that pickup is more beneficial to the actual to your actual game and your skill because you're able to put everything that you're learning to the test I think that pickup is more important and more beneficial to athletes than or seven on seven for football players than individual drills I could be wrong that's just my thought. And there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweaters, long sleeve, or joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers, and I'm so close. I'm under. Uh, I'm I'm under a hundred to get to a thousand subscribers and you know it definitely means a lot everyone that does subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend share a video share a, a short i'm trying to get to a thousand anything will help uh also please subscribe to or follow the socials follow the instagram follow tiktok i post pretty much daily on there uh and it would mean a lot for you guys to support and you know engage with me if 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 you get a comment from me or you get a response that's me just keep it respectful, and we'll, we'll have a dialogue. I, I understand that not everything I say people agree with, and that's completely fine, and I and I don't expect them to. And if you have a uh, issue or you have uh, – uh, if you don't agree, we'll talk about it. I have no problem debating. I have no problem talking. Just, again, keep it respectful, please, because I'm always going to be respectful to you guys and your opinions. Uh, yeah, man, and there you have it. Until next time, much love.